The Advanced Route is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. We're talking about the NFL here, and we're going to be talking about football on the advanced route, but it's not just the NFL that you can find on game time. MLB, if you're looking for World Series tickets, NBA season just beginning, the NHL season still very early on, you can find all of those and more on game time. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Hello, hello, and welcome into another episode of the Advanced Route here at The Athletic. Week 8 of the NFL season upon us with Week 7 wrapping up the first half of a typical fantasy football regular season. You know what we do here at The Advanced Route. We bring stats and scouting together to help you succeed in your fantasy leagues. I'm your host, Michael Beller, joined as always by my co-host, Emery Hunt. Emery, how are you feeling heading into the beginning of the Week 8 week? I'm feeling great, man. How's everything with you? It's good, man. It was uh, it was a busy weekend, um, both uh, on the field and off, uh, and uh, it feels good to get to uh, to get to this point of the season to feel like we've really got uh, a handle uh, on all these teams. I know you got to see uh, some uh, some games in person over the weekend, including uh, that barn burner between the Patriots and the Jets on Monday night. Oh my God! Talk about a brutal game to watch, and I got <laughs> I found myself downstairs in the media room uh, post-game, still thinking and asking myself, like, man, what, what can I ask Coach Gates after this? Uh, you know, I, I couldn't come up with Usually I have, like, five questions, and I may get two of them in uh, during the press scrum. So I was sitting there thinking until he walked up, and I was like, okay, that's what I asked him. Like, what do you what do you tell Sam Donald as he's going through a game like this? Like, what do you tell him uh, during th- this process? He was just like, you know, he gave a nice long answer, but – that was the only question I can come up with. That's a pretty good question, though. I think that's a that's a that's a great question to ask him in that moment. I think you uh, did pretty well for yourself, all things considered. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, we appreciate all you guys listening, of course, to the advanced route uh, going into week eight. Of course, you can follow Emery on Twitter at fball game plan. You can follow me at M Beller. Just one quick note I want to make on the uh, programming here at The Athletic going forward. Uh, we've been doing Wire to Wire, our waiver Wire show, every Monday and uh, Friday this season. That's going to change this week. Wire to Wire no longer going to be coming to you on Fridays. It'll just be a Monday show. We are not cutting our programming at, at all, however. That will be replaced with a new Friday episode of Best on the Board. That is a show Chris Meany and I do every week where we talk uh, against the spread and survivor picks. We t- we do it on Wednesday. We'll still have the Wednesday show. And I'll be coming to you a second time a week for subscribers only every Friday, locking in our favorite picks of the week. So be sure to subscribe, theathletic.com slash the advanced route. You can still get 40% off uh, a subscription for the year. And again, if uh, if you're listening to us in the free verse, uh, of course, uh, subscribe, rate, review. If you like what you're hearing, we really appreciate it. It does help out. So if you could take uh, the minute or two to do that, that would really be a huge solid for us. So thank you very much for doing that. And thank you again for listening. Uh, in this episode of the advanced route, Emery and I are going to talk about 
personnel tendencies and personnel groupings, one of the great results of the effusion of uh, available data is that it, it's been a little bit easier for the uh, regular everyday fan to understand uh, the differences in personnel and what teams are able to do in different personnel groupings. The, the two big ones, two terms you're going to hear on this episode are 11 personnel and 12 personnel. And the first number refers to how many running backs are on the field. The second number refers to how many tight ends are on the field. Obviously, you've got five linemen and a quarterback. That means the remaining number is the wide receiver. So in 11 personnel, you've got one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. In 12, you've got one running back, two tight ends, two wide receivers. Did I get that? Did I get that right, Emery? Yeah, you got it correct. Beautiful. See what I mean? The effusion has made it very easy for for the regular folks among us uh, who didn't play any sort of uh, advanced football to understand exactly what these personnel mean and and how you can do different things out of them. So we're going to look at teams who have made some big in-season changes to their personnel usage. And I want to start, Emery, with the Green Bay Packers. Now, the first three weeks of the season, they were in 11. Again, that's one running back, one tight end, three receivers, 46.6% of the time. Weeks four to seven, that number has jumped up to 69.6%, a dramatic increase. And one of the few teams across the league that we've seen increase uh, their 11 usage. We've seen some teams increase 12, and we'll talk about a few of them uh, in a minute here. But the Packers are one of the few teams we've seen really have a jump in 11 personnel. And it's come largely with Devontae Adams out of the lineup dealing with this turf toe injury. Uh, when you see a number like that, what's the first thing that your mind goes to? That they trust the guys that they're bringing up either from the practice squad or from the back end of the roster because that number is surprising considering they lost their top playmaker in Adams. So you, you would have figured that, okay, they're probably going to go heavy 12 personnel um, to take one of those receiver positions away because you kind of like their depth at tight end as well. You know, you have Tanyan, you have Lewis, you have Graham. Um, but now, you know, with, with Adams still nursing that toe injury that he suffered in that game against the Eagles, I believe, now you're bringing up Jake Kumaro, you're bringing up Alan Lazard, who's kind of your pseudo tight end flex kind of guy. So I guess he can kind of serve in, in you know, two facets, but you're bringing up these receivers and they're performing well. So it shows that they have trust in their depth and their personnel, which is what I like to see because you want to trust in the guys um, that, that have been there with you all summer, all spring, uh, all throughout camp. And they know the system. They're ready to make their, their presence felt. They're ready to contribute. And that's what we're seeing with Green Bay. Yeah, I should mention that 11 and 12 are by far the two most widely used personnel groupings uh, in the NFL these days, almost regardless of team. There are a few teams that do uh, run more two running back sets, and we'll talk about some of those teams in a second here. But uh, those are by far the two most popular, the two most frequently used groupings. The Packers, uh, as their 11 has gone up, you can imagine their 12 has gone down from 28.1% the first three weeks of the season to 11.4% weeks four through seven. Uh, Emery, from a from a fantasy perspective, when you see this, does this mean that uh, fa- fantasy owners should uh, have trust in Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard, uh, Geronimo Allison, Jake Kumaro, is there reason to believe just because they're out there that there's going to be more fantasy value and volume coming their way? Absolutely, because we know uh, Aaron Rodgers is very similar to Tom Brady, um, very similar to Phillip Rivers, you know, they and Drew Brees. If you're out there, that means they individually trust you, so therefore you're in play to get the football. It's not like, uh, you know, a team, let's say Andy Dalton, where they're without A.J. Green, 
And yeah, you know, you're going to have, you have Boyd out there and you have, you know, Ross at the time. And then you had Tate, but Tate wasn't really seeing a lot of work. Ross goes down, Tate's production picks up. But if it wasn't for Ross going down and it was just, let's say Ross, Boyd and Tate, he wouldn't have looked to Tate as often. But if this, if, you know, uh, Rogers, you know, all those quarterbacks that I, that I listed were the quarterback of the Bengals, then he would have been in play because obviously they trust him being out there. Um, these guys that are, that are locked step with the coach, the play caller, and they pretty much have a, a lot of say on who's going to, you know, which personnel they were rather out there uh, because they're like an extension of the coach out there on the field. So if they're out there on the field, trust that Aaron Rodgers will find them the find them uh, open on a play, or if they're open on a play, he will get them the football and they'll, they'll have success. So the mere fact that a, uh, a receiver is out on the field with a generational legacy quarterback is basically an automatic endorsement that that quarterback believes the player can make plays. Correct. With a team generally, not with the Packers specifically, but with a team generally, when you see a change like this, is there any reason why you would make this change midseason on the fly? Again, this is a dramatic change. We're basically talking about an increase of you know, fully half, going from 46% to 69.6%. That's basically a, a 50% jump. A 23 percentage point jump is like a 50% jump in 11 personnel. Is there a reason why a team generally would make that dramatic a change in the middle of its season? You have to understand everything is always about matchups and personnel, and it just could happen, you know, that it falls this way where their matchups, you know, along the last three weeks, they trust the personnel against the matchups that they're going up against. So a lot of it is, you know, it's you don't make too much out of it because a lot of it just could easily be, hey, we have a good matchup this week in this formation. Hey, we trust these guys that are now caught up to speed with the timing and the rhythm and, and what we expect them to do at the at the position. So we can go more back to what we want to do as an offense as opposed to trying to, you know, scale back a little bit and put an extra tight end out there. How about the uh, – does this say anything about an offensive line to you? Um, obviously having three wide receivers versus two and two tight ends um, it changes up uh, blocking schemes. Does this tell you that Matt LaFleur and uh, Green Bay's offensive brain trust believes that their their line can, can do it, can keep Aaron Rodgers upright and protected and keep him in clean pockets with just one tight end? Is that a reason a team would make a move like this? They could also trust Aaron Rodgers to make the right decision and get the ball out quickly and protect himself. We saw that against – the New England Patriots with Sam Darnold, who could not protect himself, who could not get the ball out quickly and could not handle pressure in adverse situations and turn the ball over. So it's part trust of your offensive line and part trust that your quarterback will always keep you in the, on a positive side of a play. All right, let's look at some teams who are headed in the other direction in terms of 12 versus uh, 11. Uh, the one I want to start with is the one that has made the most dramatic change, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Weeks one through three, they were in 11, 75% of the time, and 12, 15.1% of the time. Weeks four through seven, that 11 personnel, excuse me, percentage has dropped to 47.3%. Less than 50% of the time, they are now in 11 personnel. Meanwhile, 12 personnel has jumped threefold from 15.1% to 45 point six percent when you see that from a team like the eagles and consider what they've been through since then what does that tell you about where they're what they've done the last few weeks and where they're headed the rest of the season notice that percentage change coincides with them being able to run the football a little bit better 
Um, and you start to see their running game pick up a little bit more with Jordan Howard and, and Miles Sanders once they start to go to more two tight end sets. Plus, it's wise to get those double tight ends on the field. They have two really good tight ends. Um, and we know if you have one good tight end, you're very tough to defend. If you have two, it's very it's next to impossible. Um, but they have two good tight ends, and teams don't have the ability to cover one good tight end, let alone two. Plus, you're now starting to have a little bit more success running the football. You're starting to protect a little bit better, so you can try to take those deep shots down the field because you can't do so without your uh, your quintessential deep threat into Sean Jackson. So you're trying to find ways to give your quarterback time to hit more deep shots down the field. You throw an extra tight end on on the, on uh, within the formation. You give yourself a chance to try to pick up an extra blocker, giving your QB more time to try to find Aguilar or or Jeffrey or someone deep down the field. Dallas Goddard had himself a big game uh, in their loss uh, to Dallas last week, scored a touchdown uh, for the Eagles. Uh, one of the few things that uh, that went right for the Eagles in that game, uh, given what we've seen from the offense uh, over the, the first quarter and the second quarter of the season, is this uh, usage of 12 versus 11 uh, that we've seen more recently something you would expect to continue to see from the Eagles? Yeah, I mean, it, w- it would be – you know, advantageous for them to continue to do that because, again, it's keeping their games close. It's keeping them balanced. Um, they're finding the run game, which is something that that is a huge part of that offense, in my opinion. Uh, it makes you respect it, the R part of the RPO. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I think that's something you're going to continue to see. Plus, again, they got good personnel at tight end, so why wouldn't you want both of those guys out there? They're probably stronger at tight end than they are at receiver. Yeah, I mean, I, especially with Deshaun Jackson out, right? Right. So it makes sense to have your best personnel out there. You want your best 11 out there on the field. I mean, they got to be, off the top of my head, one of the strongest, if not the very strongest team at tight end in the league. Because they got two similar guys mm-hmm. in Ertz and, and Goddard. And, you know, guys that can run routes, that can flex out, that can, you know, good position blockers. And they're a little bit more, uh, they have more chemistry, it seems like, with Carson Wentz as opposed to those receivers. Um, how does this change when Deshaun Jackson does return? Would you expect to see a, a re- uh, them revert to more 11 when they get that big deep threat back? Obviously, that, that feels like an element that's been missing in their offense ever since he got hurt. I think so. I think you'll start to see that a little bit more so because that's – and it's almost going to be by by force because they want to show that they can throw the football deep down the field. So you're going to see them use more you know, three-wide receiver set as opposed to what we're seeing now. All right, so bottom line here then from the uh, fantasy point of view, uh, while they're this 12-heavy team, um, is Dallas Goddard someone that we look at as a fantasy weapon? Is Jordan Howard's stock higher than it would be when Deshaun Jackson does make his return? Uh, Are those things that we should be thinking about at this point of the season, especially with Jackson sounding like he's going to finally be able to get back on the field soon? If Jackson gets back there on the field, I would probably lean more toward Miles Sanders. I think they want to get a little bit more explosive when Jackson is back there. And right now, Sanders can give you that explosiveness more so than Howard. Howard gives you good balance um, and can be more of that that complimentary guy. But if they get back Jackson and with the growth that we're starting to see in Sanders' game, I think we're going to see more of him down the stretch. 
Yeah, you know what? This is not at all what we're uh, talking about, but I, just since we're talking about him, I want to go on a little tangent here. Miles Sanders, uh, the, the explosiveness is obvious, right? All you have to do is watch literally any one Eagles game this season, and you see the explosiveness on display. How do you get a guy like that more involved, even when you know you want to keep Jordan Howard in the role that he's in? You have to just put him out there. Again, this is the same example we talked about a while ago with Chase Edmonds. If it's obvious, then keep doing it. You know, don't be married to something that's not productive. Uh, and that's in any walk in life. And right now, if you know this guy is a better receiver, has a little bit more wiggle, a little bit more speed, gives you a different dynamic, is a problem for a defensive game plan for, keep him out there on the field. Even if you have to put both guys out there at the same time, just keep him out on the field. It makes your offense a little bit more dynamic. It opens things up a little bit more. And guys can tend to have a lot more success as a result. Yeah, I know that's something that fantasy owners are looking for, a little bit more Miles Sanders, a little bit more opportunity for him, even though we got to say hats off to Jordan Howard and what he's been able to accomplish this season. And speaking of accomplishments, Emery, I put this out there. Uh, last week in this show, so five days before Chase Edmonds goes for 127 yards uh, and or 126 yards and three touchdowns, you said that he is the better traditional running back than David Johnson. David Johnson, more of a receiver in a running back's body. And what do we see? David Johnson, ankle not right. Chase Edmonds, they immediately treated him more like a running back than they have David Johnson all season. He got 27 carries in that game. David Johnson's season high is 18. Sure, the Giants defense maybe had something to do with it, but uh, kudos to you, my friend. Listen, sometimes you just call it what you see. And that's the beauty about having the freedom to do stuff like this at The Athletic. Uh, the stuff that I do at football game plan is if I see something and it jives with what I what I believe, I'm going to say it. And I've always been a Chase Edmonds fan. I've been scouting him since his freshman year at Fordham. So I'm not surprised at what he's doing. I'm just happy he's getting the opportunity to do so. Um, and at the end of the day, talent is going to be talent no matter where you find it, where no matter where it's located. And if it gets the opportunity to play, it, it will showcase. And I'm, I was ec ecstatic that he did a great job out there in that arena being eight miles away from where he played college ball. Yeah, it had to be a thrill for him, and uh, we are very happy to have you uh, giving us that uh, expert knowledge here at The Athletic. Uh, let's talk about another team that's made this big uh, move uh, from uh, 11 to 12. It's the Houston Texans. First three weeks of the season, 11, 73.4%. 12, 20.9%. So also about 95% of their plays between uh, those two formations. Weeks four to seven, that 11 personnel rate has dropped to 51.3%, about a 22 percentage point dip. Uh, meanwhile, 12 personnel has shot up to 37.7%. So also uh, about a seven percentage point dip in the total uh, that 11 and 12 are accounting for. But we've seen uh, a big drop in 11. And what's interesting to me here is that you know, this team basically hasn't had its full group of receivers available all season, but at any given point, they've had three of the four, right? You've had Kiki Cootie dealing with injury. You've had uh, Kenny Stills dealing with injury. Now you've got Will Fuller with a hamstring injury, but at every week of the season, three of the four have been healthy. So what's the reason, do you think, for this drop uh, in th uh, three receiver sets to two receiver sets even though they've had three of these four guys available all season long. Protecting Watson, number one, but also it has brought them some success. Because remember, in this time, they started to run the football really well with Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson. So not only are you able to protect Watson, so you're taking more strategic shots downfield, 
you're also getting another facet of your game, your offensive game rolling, and that's the run game. And that's something that helped them beat Kansas City. It helped them be productive the following week. And um, even though they couldn't get it truly going against Indianapolis, they did a great job of, of staying with it and getting both guys involved. So that's why you've seen more 12 personnel for the Texans, for the Eagles, um, because, again, it helps them get their running game going. It's n- not surprising to see that uptick also jive with the uptick in rushing production. Yeah, uh, th- we, we talked about that early in the season, that uh, offensive line and protecting Watson, keeping him upright, looked like it was going to be uh, the potential bugaboo for this team. Um, last uh, la- Two days ago, excuse me, uh, against the Colts, he took uh, a, a few sacks in that game, uh, and that was the first time he'd been sacked in three weeks. And, uh, of course, in that time, Houston was picking up some big, big wins, including that impressive one against the Kansas City Chiefs. So, certainly, even though you, you you take a receiver off the field, you maybe improve your offense and your downfield offense as a whole by letting guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills develop those routes deep down the field. And what we see, Will Fuller goes out in that game with a hamstring injury, but boom, Kenny Stills steps right up, turns four catches into 105 yards. So, he steps seamlessly into that Will Fuller role. Given the perceived weakness of this Houston offense and the success that they've been able to have, the Colts game notwithstanding, uh, with Carlos Hyde on the ground, is this a breakdown that you would generally expect to see from them going forward 50% about in 11, 37, 38, high 30s percent in 12? I, I would I would agree. I would agree. I think we'll see that mo- uh, moving forward because it's been a, a winning for, a formula for them, and they're trying to, you know, now they have to keep pace with the Colts you know, who got the one up on them. So they're playing to win, trying to get back in. That, they are in the division race, trying to win the division. But because they lost this initial game to Indianapolis, now they're fighting four other teams for what could potentially be a wild card spot. So right now they're in the playoffs, but they want to solidify that. So they got to do what's working. Right now, 12 personnel is working for them. Yeah, the AFC, uh, pretty top-heavy, going to be an interesting wildcard race that might be narrowed down to just a few teams. And, of course, uh, we could be looking at uh, – Texans and Colts, the way we looked at Chiefs and Chargers, right, where one of them was going to win the division uh, and be the one seed, and one of them was going to have to be a 12-4-5 and four, five seed. Of course, we know how that turned out for those two teams last year. Could be the case for the Colts and uh, the, the Texans this season, although I don't think either of them, whoever wins the division, likely to be the one seed in the AFC. One more team I want to talk about um, in this uh, part of the show, and it's the, the Rams. Now, the Rams are very heavy. 11 personnel they always are going to be uh, and even though they've dropped back the last couple of weeks they've still been quite heavy however I still think it's something worth noting the first three weeks of the season 85.3 percent they were in 11 weeks four to seven down to 72.4 percent uh, ever since Sean McVay's been there they've been a heavy 11 personnel team one of the truest three wide teams at play in play out they're always going to have three wide receivers out there but now the last four weeks 30 percent of the time they've been running two tight ends. Um, what do you get from this team specifically? Is there anything that jumps out at you with the Rams personnel specifically that says why they would make this sort of change in the middle of the season, especially considering the immense success they've had as an 11 personnel team going back to the start of last season? Well, they, they struggled with golf this year. Uh, they struggled to run the football with consistency. You throw a tight end in there and that helps, that should help out one of those problems. Uh, giving golf a quick outlet receiver, whether it's Higby or we saw last week, uh, Gerald Everett had a really good game. Um, so, and again, these are two really good players. So why not put two more of your better players out there on the field, even though you're 
stronger at receiver than you are at tight end, it makes sense to get those guys out there. If your quarterback is struggling, if your run game is struggling, if you if you feel as though people have started to, uh, you know, get a key on what you were doing, you know, that was the talk of the early part of the season. Uh, teams have figured out Sean McVay's offense, probably keying on these tendencies that we're talking about. So why not throw a monkey wrench in there and, and throw those two tight ends in there and still try to do some of the same things that you were doing with your uh, 11 personnel, with your 12 personnel, because you have, you know, good receivers at tight end, but you also now have gained the ability to run the football a little bit better uh, because of it. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that Sean McVay uh, tendency for a little bit because that was a, a big topic at the beginning of the season. Teams keying on uh, what he wants to do and what this offense wants to do. I think the, the word that was out there was, you know, this team uh, is going to keep in five, maybe six. So you bring six or seven, you make Jared Goff have to make that decision quickly, and he can't do it. Can you uh, do what maybe a a more in depth job of explaining? what that means, how you uh, overload an offense, how you overload a, a blocking system to force a quarterback to have to make those decisions quickly? We saw it last night. We saw it against – you saw it Monday night with, with Sam Darnold and the Patriots. Um, you have to know where your hot is. And every quarterback, if you just put them on a whiteboard and, you know, with no pressure and like, hey, where's your hot? If they do this, they'll quickly point out where they should go with the football. But when you add pressure and the threat to get of getting hit, and if you're not built that way, um, you know, you're going to struggle. You're going to forget everything that you taught, everything that you've learned, everything that you know. And you're going to try to either get rid of football quick to somewhere or you're going to take a sack. And that's the innate ability of someone that is, you know, a little gun shy with pressure. You see certain quarterbacks, your Dak Prescott's, your Lamar Jackson's, Aaron Rodgers, this is this way, uh, Tom Brady. You know, Pat Mahomes, these are guys that are unfazed by pressure. Even to a certain extent, you see it down in Miami with Ryan Fitzpatrick juxtaposed to Josh Rosen. And not saying that Fitzpatrick is great, but he's not trash like Josh Rosen has been. Um, he actually looks competent and moving the offense um, more so than Rosen is. And again, if you have an innate fear of pressure or getting hit or panic, and it's not going to work out for you. Um, and you're going to always lose sight of what you're supposed to do with the ball. And that's what you're seeing with Jared Goff. Uh, if if this uh, is something that sticks around, this uh, heavier 12 personnel usage for the Rams, who's the who's the bigger loser from fantasy uh, from a fantasy point of view at the wide receiver position? Because one thing we loved about these Rams receivers was Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, they're all great. It could be any of their day on any given week, but they're all going to be out there for 90-whatever percent of the snaps. If, if that's no longer the case, who takes the biggest hit in the fantasy world? I think Cooks. I think Cooks is more – you know, your best ball option, but Woods is going to find his, his touches and cup. We know is going to find his touches. So I would probably say cooks. All right, let's, uh, let's move to the running back side of this discussion. I've got uh, a couple of teams here uh, who have been a, uh, either heavy earlier in the year, heavier recently with two running backs on the field. Now that's something that uh, we don't necessarily see a ton of in the NFL this season, but we are seeing it from a handful of teams. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the San Francisco 49ers. Now weeks one through three, this is something you never see in the NFL anymore. 53.7% of their plays came with two running backs on the field. Weeks four through seven, that has fallen all the way to 16.7%. First question here, how much of that has to do with Kyle Juszczyk being injured? 
I think a lot of it has to do with that with him being injured. Um, and plus, when you have someone like him out there, it makes you a little bit more, you know, a little bit more balanced on what you want to do and and things of that nature. But I, I just think that it also allows you to put another speed guy on the field. And that's what they have in droves in the backfield. Uh, they made the move today to get Emmanuel Sanders. How do you think that affects what they do going forward? I don't I don't have an issue with none of their perimeter options are in the backfield. Their main problem is Jimmy Garoppolo. Like you can add, you know, Herschel Walker in the backfield and Randy Moss and and Henry Allen on the perimeter, but you still have Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, and that is the problem. That has been the issue. They have talent. They got speed. They got guys that can uh, that are great run after the catch guys. Uh, we saw a great play last week by Debo Samuel. You know, they have good talent. But the quarterback is is I think is putting a you know a, a emergency break on the offense's potential. How, what, what's he doing that is that is uh, holding this offense back in your estimation? Playing scared, he's playing like Jared Goff. Like you can't, you know, he's playing like scary Kirk Cousins. You know, and we've seen Kirk Cousins step outside himself and play well the last couple of weeks. Um, Garoppolo just has to pick it up, man. And I'm not going to hold last week against him because it was a torrential downpour. But I'm just talking about prior to last game, it's, he still wasn't you know, what they expected him to be. So if this team does get those speed guys out there more, uh, as you mentioned, uh, get those two speed guys out there, get you know Coleman and Breida on the field together, or Breida and Mostert, or, or Coleman and Mostert, how do they do that? How do they do that within what Kyle Shanahan still wants to do offensively? They It's, it's seamless for them because they're, they're guys that can also catch the ball. So you can look at them as, you know, extra receivers out there they put a ton of speed we know with their speed the opposing team doesn't have a lot of speed which is why you see a lot of chunk plays coming from san francisco um from different players so it, i think they will you know integrate those guys easily it's, n- it's nothing real complicated that they're doing so no reason fantasy wise to be concerned even though we've seen fewer two running back sets from this team uh to be concerned at all about uh especially brita and coleman and what their fantasy value is for the second half of the season no, nah, I think people probably overrated their fantasy value to begin with, and you're just now starting to see it fall back to the mean. Yeah, it's why uh, it's why it's a 16 game season, right? Exactly, <laughs> especially when you think about how uh, slow offenses start uh, to regular season, because you know week one is essentially your fifth preseason game, and you're still trying to find that timing and co- cohesiveness in games two and three. So you know, I'm not surprised to see it shake out this way as we near the midway point of the NFL season. All right, let's uh, let's quickly hit one more team that has dropped their usage of two RB sets. Uh, it's hard to believe. I couldn't believe that this team actually was toward the top of the league in weeks one through three and two running back sets because they've been uh, one of the least runningest teams in the NFL. I know that's not a word, but I don't know how else to say it. Uh, it's the Chicago Bears. 32.4% of their plays uh, weeks one through three had two running backs in the field. Uh, weeks four through seven, 9.4%, uh, one of the lowest in the league and certainly uh, one something that has not worked out uh, to this team's advantage. Uh, what the hell's going on with this team, Emery? They need to stop trying to make Mitch Trubisky be Dan Marino. Allow him to be Mitch Trubisky. He's an athlete. Use his athleticism as a complement to the run game, uh, in addition to the running game, and therefore your run game should have a lot of success because they got great backs. I don't want to say great. They got a great talent into Rick Cohen and a solid back in 
David Montgomery. The problem is they treat Cohen like he's a slot receiver. He's a tailback. He's your Chase Edmonds. Give him the football and he will do great things. Keep him out there on the field at all times and allow him to be that consistent threat that teams have to game plan for because of his speed and elusiveness. When you put David Montgomery out there, you're doing the same thing you did last year. When you put Jordan Howard out there, you're slowing down your offense. And also with a guy like Mitch Trubisky, first game back from shoulder injury, you want to continue to throw the football 50 times when you have not seen him be able to be effective with 30 throws, let alone 50. So this is a coaching issue because there's good personnel out here. You got Allen Robinson, uh, Miller, you know, you got Williams. Patterson is a guy that seems to score a touchdown every time he touches the football. You got good tight end depth. So this is more of a coaching issue as opposed to someone that 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 is that's lacking talent. They have the capability to run the football. They're just not running the football. Is this a team you would like to see use two running backs at the same time more often? Do you want to see Montgomery and Cohen out there on the field together? No, I want to see Cohen out there on the field, and I want to see more Patterson on the field as well because he gives you the receiving aspect and also the ability to run with the football. Montgomery is a good guy, but he's just slow, and he's not a. I know, I know, you know, all these advanced stats people call Montgomery the most elusive back, but if you're making guys miss and not going anywhere, then you're just wasting time. You're just burning daylight. So keep Cohen out there, put Patterson on the field as well. And now you have the ability to stay versatile. And that's, I think that's, that is what I think Nagy and Helfrich want to do. Um, but they can't figure out their own personnel. And I, I know these are great coaches. I know they do a great job. They work long hours, but this is not complicated. Put your best and most athletic 11 out there and go and go play football. You know, we actually talked about uh, that elusive rating for uh, David Montgomery coming out of college in our ranking show last weekend. You know, I made a – it was it was funny. I got laughs, but we're also being serious. Like, you know, he played football in the Big 12. I mean, you, you don't see a whole lot of tackling going on in that conference. And he averaged 4.7 yards a carry in 2019. That That's a great yards per carry average in 1996. <laughs> you know, when, when teams run the football, you know, with a fullback and – and, you know, two tight ends out there and, you know, running eye formation. But in this era of the spread offense and in that conference to not average at least 5.2, that tells me that you lack the explosiveness and elusiveness uh, to be a game breaker. You're a good back, but you're not a game breaker. You're a closer more so than you are a, a guy that, that that you need out there down and down out. You're a four minutes offense back more so than a 56 minute offense back. So what do you think this team's ideal grouping is then? I mean, what, what, should, it, what should their base be uh, given what the personnel is? You said it's, the personnel is not the problem. So what do you, what, if, if you were in charge of this team, what would you be sending out there? 11, easily. Why is that? Because you have, like I mentioned, Cohen, Robinson, Miller. You know, Gabriel is hurt, but you, could, you have – uh, Patterson, you got Javon Wims. That's a really good player. You can even bring up a guy from the practice squad in Horstead who played at Princeton. He was a great receiver at Princeton. You moved him to tight end. Um, he so he could still serve in that Alan Lazard role for this football team because he could still play outside, but also still play inside and, and be a good blocker and be a good physical player as a as a pseudo tight end. You have Trey Burton. You have Adam Shaheen who started to show some things uh, this season as he's staying healthy. So. 11 personnel for me would be a given. Um, and you still get, have your ability to run with your quarterback and Mitch Trubisky, who is an asset with his legs, if they stop trying to make him be uh, Jeff George and try to drop back and throw the football 45 times a game. 
I have one more team, Emery, uh, to talk about here. We got to get him in just because they've made the reverse. Uh, they've gone from low two RB sets to very high two RB sets. The Denver Broncos, weeks one to three, 2.4% of their plays came in uh, two running back with two running backs in the field. Since then, 31.5%, weeks four to seven, 31.5% of their plays, two running backs on the field. Uh, what does that tell you about this team to see that dramatic a jump? I mean, we're talking, you know, 15 times over. This team is now uh, in two running back sets more often. Well, they got to justify why they paid Andy uh, Janovich the, you know, the the amount of money they did, making him, what, the highest paid fullback in the league. So um, it would be wise for them to keep him out there financially. So <laughs> I think that plays a huge role in why they're seeing it. Plus, it coincides with them winning a couple of games, being able to finish games because they're running the football and not trying to put it all on Joe Flacco because we saw what that looked like when he needed him to step up against Kansas City and throw the football to help them win against a Chiefs team that didn't have Pat Mahomes at QB. So then is this good news going forward for Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman? I've actually personally been pretty impressed with uh, how they've been able to use both of them as often as they have in every game and get quite a bit out of both of them in every game. Do you think that that is good news for, for these guys as we head into the second half of the season? I wouldn't get overly excited, you know, fantasy wise, but reality wise, yeah, it's a good thing because I think they're going to be a little bit more balanced. Um, they got, you know, now that Emmanuel Sanders is gone, that's, that should be a bump for Deshaun Hamilton, who's fantastic. So I would buy stock in him. Uh, we probably are going to see more of Noah Fant get get involved as he gets more acclimated to with their, you know, the pro game and uh, get more comfortable with Joe Flacco and and how he works with his routes and Flacco finding him and working on that timing. So I will be more excited about Deshaun Hamilton as opposed to this running game from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I got to ask you about that. Uh, I was very excited about Deshaun Hamilton coming into the season. Then Emmanuel Sanders had his crazy fast recovery, and that knocked Deshaun Hamilton uh, out of the picture. Uh, how pumped should we be about him? And how about Cortland Sutton? I mean, is it going to be an all-you-can-eat buffet of targets for Cortland Sutton the rest of the season? Yeah, both of these guys are going to eat. There were two of my higher-graded receivers uh, coming out their draft class. I actually had Deshaun Hamilton as my number one slot receiver uh, coming out that draft class, big fan of what he can do. Uh, enjoyed how he just takes pride in running routes. He's going to always be open. Um, Sutton has turned himself into a consistent playmaker within his office in a passing game. So I think both guys are going to have a lot of success, both reality and fantasy, more so than the running backs will in fantasy. But in reality, the run game should help those guys have that fantasy success out there on the perimeter. It'll be interesting to see what this team does, given the success they've had uh, with two running back sets. And as you said, the uh, the financial incentive to use Andy Janovich now that Emmanuel Sanders no longer with the team in San Francisco. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Advanced Route. I uh, just want to also mention that uh, all these uh, personnel grouping rates came courtesy of Sport Radar, an excellent uh, just a bevy of football stats. Uh, if you're if you're into to that sort of thing, check out Sport Radar for sure. Uh, again, you can get Emery on Twitter at fballgameplan, and you can get me on Twitter at mbeller. Emery, man. Again, you killed it. Thank you so much for uh, for walking us through uh, all this and what it can mean for us uh, in the fantasy world. Anytime, man. Always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure to be with you as well. Thank you all for listening to us here on the Advanced Route. Emery and I will be coming right back to you in this space next week. Until then, have a great week. Enjoy uh, everything 
that is coming your way this week. Hopefully we all have a successful weekend of fantasy football. Emery and I will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Advanced Route.